Uh, we, we continue through our journey of the Psalms with 139, which happens to be one of my favorites because there's so many things in there that tell us of God's intimate knowledge of us, more intimate than anyone can possibly know about us or of us. And it's just hard to imagine sometimes that somebody can know us that well, that they know the words we speak and the thoughts that we have even before we have them. But God knows us in that way. He loves us in that way. And he has known us from before time. And again, that is so hard for our minds to wrap themselves around that. But that's the kind of knowledge our God has of us. So hear these words once more from Psalm 139, a psalm of David. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit, Lord? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the mountains, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, Even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? And abhor those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Would you be in prayer with me, please? Lord, your knowledge of us is so magnificent. It is so far beyond our human comprehension. But in our way, Lord, we thank you for that because we know that as you know us, you love us. And there's nothing we can do, nothing we can say that will ever 
tear that love away from you or from us and separate us from you. And so, Lord, we thank you today for this word, for these messages that have come through your scripture. And we just lay them on our hearts and and let them soak in and become part of our very being. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last week, Pastor Mike promised you a world premiere of something that had never happened in this place before in the 176 years that this church has been in existence. The one thing I can tell you is that I will not be delivering the message today, so that's not it. But I would like for you to turn your attention to the screens for our world premiere of our message on Psalm 139 this morning. Welcome to a world premiere at Marion Methodist, August 7th, 2016. It's hard to believe with 176 year history that something new that's never been done before in the church can be done. But today we're going to do it for the first time ever. The sermon is going to be preached live via recording. That's because Pastor Keith is in Las Cahabas, Haiti with our H7 mission team. There they're having vacation Bible school and really teaching some children about uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, hoping to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And, of course, as you know, at the end of that trip, he's bringing his beloved daughter, Devin, and her friend, Leah Schmickley, who have been interns there all summer. And me, Teresa, and I are in Glenwood Springs, Colorado this morning while you're worshiping. There we're worshiping with our daughter, Lisa, and her husband, Kirby. And later today, we're going on a hike, unless it's a Colorado thunderstorm. So today, a world premiere. Now, there's challenges with a world premiere. Never has it been done this way, so of course there might be problems. One of the problems I've been worrying about as we prepared is that some of you at 745, 830, 945, and 11 may be looking for a volume control for the first time. And I prefer not to sound like this during the sermon today. Also, I have to trust my camera people. I have to make sure that they keep the shot right on us and all of us that are speaking and that we don't have any mishaps. You know what I'm saying. There's no earthquake in Marion. We have a great team. So there's this great opportunity today. And I pray, and those that are coming alongside to assist me pray, that God may breathe something powerful into you today through something you never expected in worship, a video screen. I'm going to ask some engaging voices of testimonies to come beside mine this morning to help the preacher's message become a bit more effective witness to the gospel. So let's go. Years ago when I was a high school student down at Marion High, one of my friends from Linmar had put the word out in the sit on the streets that he wanted to meet up with me that night. We didn't have text messages or Instagram or anything like that, but I knew the Linmar kids hung out at Nassau's. So I zipped down there in my 1976 Gremlin and walked into Nassos and, so, and walked up to a table that was clearly parents and said, Hey, I'm Mike Morgan. I'm, and one of the men said, Mike, we know who you are. I thought, Wow, I'm a big shot in my own town. The adults know who I am. But then I, I took a moment and I paused and thought, Oh my gosh, what do they know? I guess as I thought about it, They probably knew maybe my name or probably knew my folks. They knew the school I went to, maybe the sports I played. 
and maybe where I worked. But I knew one thing for sure. They didn't know who I really was. They didn't know the deepest thoughts of my heart. They didn't know the intentions of my life. They didn't know my faith or what really, really mattered to me. So in reality, they, they could point out who I was. They could identify me, but they didn't really know me. Psalm 139 that was read just a few moments ago in worship leaves no question in, in our minds. Does anyone really know me? The psalmist proclaims throughout this beautiful poetry, I am fully known by God. So Psalm 139 is not a doctrine of the omniscience of God. That is the cosmic all-knowingness of God. Though that's true, God does know everything. Nor is Psalm 139 a doctrine of the omnipresence of God, which is to say God is everywhere. God is everywhere for, for, for everyone, though that is true. Psalm 139 is about how the omniscient and omnipresent God knows us, specifically us, and what that means for us. Let me read to you a few verses from the scripture that you heard earlier today. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know you full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Note the vocabulary in those verses. The, the, the words that are prominent to me, at least in my eyes, are me and I and my. Showing us that we, we are specifically and intimately known by God. Intimately known means that everything about us is clear. It's not like some stranger that can point out who we are or identify us because of a job we have. Intimacy means that vulnerability comes into play. Because when you're really known, you, you have no edge of mystery on another. You have no poker face that you can put on so that they can't see really what you're thinking. And there's no illusion about who you are for what you might be. My friend Gene has come along to help me in this talk this morning. And I really just want to ask him this question. So Gene, what stirs your soul when we talk about being known in this type of way? Well, Mike, I think we become vulnerable when we acknowledge our transparency to God. Reading again from Psalm 139, verse 2 through 4. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. I, I don't know about you, but, but there are times when this makes me very uncomfortable. This psalm makes it very clear that God knows everything that I think, that I do, that I say. When, when I stop and think about what this means, I can be very uncomfortable. And I have to admit that I am not, 
I'm not what I need to be. Take my language, for example. I would not say some of the things that come out of my mouth if I were in the presence of my grandparents or my parents. And yet, I am always and forever in the presence of the living God, and He knows what I'm going to say before a word is on my tongue. And then there's the things that I do, and the places I go, and the thoughts that can fill my head. I, I can recall times when I was a youth when I was thinking, Boy, I hope my parents never find out about this. There's no such hope with God that He will not find out. There is only the clear and absolute truth that God knows before I do. Talk about transparency. When I acknowledge that I am fully transparent to God, I am also acknowledging that I'm playing out my life before a live audience where every stumble and mistake will be seen. The first verse in Psalm 139 says, You've searched me, O Lord, and you know me. To search is a very involved and active verb. It is not the image of a passive God. It's the same God who met the woman at the well in the Gospel of John. Jesus offers the woman at the well living water. He's offering a relationship. He's offering himself. And when she accepts, he asks her to go get her husband. Now the woman at the well does what we all do when we're faced with our guilt. She starts telling half-truths, and she's really wanting to change the subject. She says, I don't have a husband, and she stops right there. And to her surprise, Jesus responds, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. Verses 11 and 12 in Psalm 139 says, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Being fully known by God means that there's no way that we can hide from him and there isn't anything that he doesn't already know. When Jesus asked the woman, about her husband, he wasn't asking for himself. He was giving her the opportunity to be vulnerable with him and to let her know that he's still offering relationship with her despite knowing her shameful secret. Vulnerability cultivates relationship. Simon and I have been married for almost five years, and he's seen me at my worst. And the weird thing about it is it's the most freeing feeling. He's loved me for a little over ten years, And he's seen everything that makes me embarrassed or everything that I'm shameful about or anything that I'm guilty of. So how much more can that be true of a God who has loved me since before I was knit in my mother's womb? At the end of this encounter with Jesus, the woman felt the same freedom from this vulnerability, so much so that she ran to the village to say, Come see a man who told me everything that I've ever done. Because when we're fully known by God, our shame can become our past. The story of Jesus with the woman of the well that Laura just told us reminds us that we're the ones that break our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is broken by sin. 
See, humanity, and that's specifically you and me, move away from God. We, we do that through some of our own actions. I, I'm reminded of the old farmer story of the farmer who's driving down the road with the old farm pickup truck and his wife is way over there against the passenger side window and she says to him, Darling, do you remember how when we were first married, we'd sit so close to each other in the truck and you'd put your arm around me and I just enjoyed those drives to the market. But now we sit so far away and he looked at her and said, Dear, I haven't moved. See, I've always related that to God. Since the beginning of time, God has not moved away from us. He never has. He wants us to be in relationship with Him. You know so very well the story of the original sin of humanity in the Garden of Eden and how Adam and Eve both knew exactly how to stay in concert with God's purposes and will, and yet they turned away. Now, we can't blame our own walking away from God our own sins on those two who lived so long ago. While their sins and the story thereof may represent us, every single one of us has our own Garden of Eden, our own moment when we knew exactly what to do, and yet we did the wrong thing. We knew what God wanted of us, and yet we broke the relationship by our own behavior, our own sin. You see, we're fully known, and that's what the psalm tells us over and over again. We're fully known by God, everything about us, but we're not quite ready to fully know our God. We're a little bit intimidated by knowing Him back at the depth and richness that He loves us. So what does that say to us? First, I want to tell you this morning... That there's good news. While we break the relationship by choosing not to know God as well as we possibly could, the current brokenness of our relationship can be mended. It can be redeemed. And only Christ can redeem that relationship. In the Gospel of Matthew, the angel of God is talking with Joseph in a dream. Speaking about the baby that Mary is carrying, the angel quotes Isaiah 7.14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Now, this gives me hope. This is not the wishful hope that I spoke of earlier, but the sure and certain hope that God is with me. Emmanuel, God with us, God with me. Jesus paid the price for my sins, and yet He is willing to stand with me through everything that life has to offer. God with us. He is with me through the good times and especially through the bad times. Jesus redeems the relationship that the sin of the world, and especially my sin, has broken. Paul explains it nicely in his letter to the Romans, reading from chapter 6, starting with verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, Christ redeems relationship. Jesus has redeemed my relationship with God, making it possible for me to live a joyful, transparent life in the presence of the living God. Jesus has restored the relationship to what it was meant to be when Adam and Eve walked with God in the Garden of Eden. Verse 7 of our psalm says, Where can I hide from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? God created us for relationship because God is relationship. In Genesis, he says, Let us create man in our image. He is speaking to and about the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has always been in community. And this love existed among the Trinity for all of creation. Sin, death, or anything in this world cannot endure because love predates them all. Romans chapter 8, 38 through 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. God desires a relationship with us because he loves us. God is so holy that he couldn't accept sin, but he is so loving that he couldn't leave us there. And so he made a way for us, and that way was the cross. Christ redeems this relationship that God intended for us to have forever and ever. Wow. So there you have it, friends. I couldn't have told you that better than if I'd been standing in your sanctuary or your chapel this morning. So in just a few moments, the leaders there with you will be calling you forward to receive the elements of Holy Communion over which I spoke words of institution a few days ago. Before you come forward, please let these things, all the things that you've heard this morning, embed themselves in your heart and mind. Psalm 139 is about God knowing me and being with me. This is intimate, not general. God knows your name. You know, it's He knows you. Insert your name here, your precious name, your nickname, the name that only a beloved few knows. God knows you. And our great God knows and wants a relationship with every human ever. And we miss the point, the very important truth of this morning. If we let the message be a cosmic or ethereal, up here in the sky kind of idea, there's no greater gift than to be fully known and to fully know another. And that's what's offered here by our Lord to us through the words of the psalmist. God desires us to fully, intimately know Him. You heard Gene talk about how God arrives as God with us in Matthew 1 to be with us and to be known. In Matthew 28, we hear that God is a permanent presence to be with 
and to be known by us. So when you come forward to Holy Communion this morning, be called to a meal of intimacy with God. When Jesus instituted this sacrament, the air was filled with vulnerability because there he was, not only with his best friends, but also with the one that would be a traitor and betray him. This meal is filled with the relationship of which we've spoken. And in that relationship, we see Jesus sacrificially giving his complete self to us by offering for us his body and his blood. And there at that holy meal is the redemption. And this is for your specific and personal salvation. On your knees today, as you revel in the taste of this bread, rejoice because you're fully known. On your knees today, with the sweetness of this juice still on your lips, rejoice. For you have been given the greatest gift, relationship with our great God now and forever. There could be no greater thing. So this morning, August 7th, praise the Lord and let us celebrate in this holy meal. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.